Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Inside the Studio, presented by iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Joe Levy. Okay, fire up the strobe lights, get out the mirror ball. If you want, we can get on Amazon and order up a bubble machine. I just checked, they're pretty inexpensive. But let's get all that gear together because my guest this episode is Kylie Minogue, whose new album, Disco, is a quarantine dance party in pretty much every sense. By which I mean, it's not just an album guaranteed to get you up off the couch and onto whatever passes for a dance floor in the COVID bubble of your choice, but also that this album was recorded in part during lockdown. Some songs were written over Zoom calls. Kylie had to set up microphones at home, teach herself to use some recording software like Logic and Pro Tools so she could capture her vocals on her own when she could not get to a studio to finish her 15th studio album. And that 15th studio album is also the first Kylie album on which she gets credit for additional vocal production. Disco is a 2020 update on some vintage 1970s dance floor romance. Songs like I Love It and Miss a Thing celebrate the kind of fun that starts well after sundown and ends shortly before or after sunrise. 
And though the 2020 hasn't exactly been a good year, it's been a surprisingly good year for albums that chase that sort of after sundown, just before sunrise kind of fun. There's Duolba's Future Nostalgia, which arrived at the end of March, so that's a dance party that we got just as the world was grinding to a halt. Lady Gaga's Chromatica, got that at the end of May. Jesse Ware's What's Your Pleasure came a month after that at the end of June, and now November has brought us Kylie's Disco. Maybe it's a little strange that a year in which dance floors have been off-limits has also been a good year for albums celebrating the joys of dancing, but it's certainly worth remembering. All these albums had their roots in pre-pandemic times, and those pre-pandemic times in 2019 only seem untroubled in comparison to the universality of our troubles these days. So it's also worth remembering that disco has always been a music of liberation, the same way that rock and roll was back in the 1950s, when Elvis the Pelvis shook his hips and Little Richard first let loose the power of Tutti Frutti. In all these cases, dancing was a way of putting liberation into motion, and and Kylie actually talked about just this. I've found all these correlations between disco music and and this year, that disco was born out of darkness, it was born out of struggle and and adversity and people trying to find a place to belong and be accepted and express themselves and all of that kind of stuff. People clearly have been craving just the sort of escapism and liberation that Kylie's disco album offers. I mean, it entered the charts at number one, making Kylie one of six artists who have topped the UK album charts in five consecutive decades. And those other artists are Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Paul Weller, Bruce Springsteen, David Gilmour, and now Kylie Minogue. And I think it's fair to say that Kylie looks a lot better in sequence than any of those dudes. Just like I also think it's fair to say that like a lot of women making great pop music, she never quite gets the credit she deserves. And she started out in the late 80s pop factory of Stock, Aiken, and Waterman. Those are the guys who gave the world Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. And early Kylie hits like Hand on Your Heart or her cover of Locomotion are in eternal sugar high. So Kylie's ability to turn that kind of start into a long-lasting career that puts her in the company of Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen is pretty astounding. And it's a combination of determination, experimentation, and some glamour-kissed reinvention. I mean, she spent the 90s being all sorts of different Kylies. Uh, Goth Kylie, duetting with Nick Cave, trip-hop Kylie, getting woozy on Put Yourself in My Place, alt-rock Kylie, working with two of the Manic Street Preachers on Some Kind of Bliss, which... I just played for the first time in a long time, and it sounds like the theme song to a lost James Bond movie. And she did all of this before settling into plain old iconic Kylie by the 2001 album Fever, which gave us the immortal hit Can't Get You Out of My Head. How immortal? You you can actually hear Jesse Ware pay tribute to Can't Get You Out of My Head on the title track to her 2020 disco album. What's your pleasure? 
in much the same way that Can't Get You Out of My Head picked up the robo-disco sound of Giorgio Moroder's 1978 Midnight Express soundtrack. In other words, Kylie herself is now the kind of classic sound that she paid tribute to in 2001, and she's paying tribute to all over disco. Kylie talked with me about how the roots of this new album go back to a pretty elaborate concept that accompanied the tour for her previous album, 2018's Golden, which she had recorded in Nashville and which she described at the time as Dolly Parton standing on a dance floor. And she also talked about what it was like to go from playing a concert in Brazil and really hitting her stride in March recording this album to having the pandemic shut everything down. And the challenges of making this kind of dance music with collaborators she's never had the opportunity to meet or celebrate now their success with face to face. Here's what else she had to say. Kylie, welcome to Inside the Studio, and congratulations on the success of Disco. We're talking just a couple of days after the album has gone into the UK charts at number one. So this makes Mm -hmm. it your eighth number one album, (laughs) and it sets a record of its own. You are now the first female artist to have a number one album in the UK in five separate decades. It's crazy, right? What does that feel like? I know, I have to explain that. I'm 52 and it's been five decades. So it's... it's. Um, it does sound like you started making records when you were two years old. <laughs> Someone on Twitter the other day said, wow, um, you know, five uh, number ones in, in five centuries. Five <laughs> centuries. Twitter went, wow, five centuries. <laughs> well, that, um, that would be quite an accomplishment. You would, you would have I been mean, there are, <laughs> making records in prehistoric times, yeah. Yeah, there are some days where it feels, you know, I I may feel like it's been that long. But um, no, it's it's an incredible feat. I had no idea of this um, impending stat when I was making the album, which was just as well, because I really kind of felt the pressure leading up to the the release. But yeah, so late 80s, the first year of the the 2020s, um, that's how they have managed to kind of shoehorn that statistic in there. But nevertheless, I'm really proud of it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that uh, there's, a, there's another stat. The, the Beatles, Elvis Presley, the Stones, Bob Dylan, they've all had number ones in five decades, but not consecutively, not five consecutive decades the way you have. Right. So they, they, they really, Beatles should really work on their consistency a little more, I think. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, well, gosh, amazing company. And to be the first um, female, the first solo female to do it, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Well, let's talk about disco and, and how it came to be, how, how this party got started. So you, you finished the tour for, for your last album, Golden, I think in March of 2019. And then you were back recording just about six months after that, back in the studio. And the Golden Tour did have a a Studio 54 section. When you got to Locomotion, that song started with a little Donna Summer shout-out, a little Bad Girls beep, beep, toot, toot. And and, and is is that where this disco idea started, or or, or was it something else for you? Well, I think it's been a, a lifelong love affair of disco anyway. But certainly leading up to this album... You're right, the Golden Tour in 2018, we had this um, a loose narrative uh, for the show, which no one in the audience 
needed to totally get, but just have the sense of. And so I'm going to have to, I've got to rewind a bit just to get to how we got to disco. Um, when we would started rehearsals for the Golden Tour, just in conversation, we were, we were trying to come up with this narrative and um, we came up with this idea that what if Donna Summer had a, she was in Los Angeles and she had a gig that night in New York and she had to get to New York or the next night. I don't understand time difference in this moment. Uh, but, you know, she's got to get to, to New York to appear at Studio 54. But the plane's cancelled. There's a storm, there's whatever, the flight's cancelled. And so our narrative was this kind of cross-country journey and arriving at Studio 54. Thus, the um, penultimate part of the concert is our version of Studio 54. And every time I would get to that part of the show, not least because it was a home stretch, so it's like, okay, I think we've made it through another show and everyone's kind of peaking it by this stage. But it just felt like such a... It felt like home to me. I mean, I've never been to Studio 54. It's a, it's a fantasy for me, but I think it's so... It's, it's um, imagery, the, the music, the, its presence is still so strong that you can kind of, you know, insert yourself in a fantasy landscape to Studio 54. So, yeah, that's when I thought, okay, next album, this is where I want to be. So after the Greatest Hits tour in 2019, that's when I went into the studio. And, ah, okay. Um, and, and um, yeah, disco became a, a, a thing for me. <laughs> yeah, no, qu- quite evidently. So, so that was the idea. Even you started in, in about September of last year, and I think one of the first songs we heard, the very first single, Say Anything, I think came from the first say session. Something. For, yeah, say something. Yeah, exactly. Say something for the first session for the album. Did you have the idea in mind then? Did you think, yep, yeah, we're making a disco album right from the start? Um, when I went in for that session, it was, it was more, um, it was more for fun and just to kind of settle myself. And I wanted to put um, Biff Standard Biff Stannard and John Green together because I'd worked mm. with mm. Biff for a long time, John just for a short time. Well, I was quite sure that something good would come of putting the three of us in a room together. Um, so, yeah, I hadn't, although disco was in, or dance floor was on, on my mind, um, I think with this particular session, mm. I didn't want to label it as anything, just let's get together and see what happens. And that's when Say Something was written. And then earlier this year, once we decided, okay, the album, it's going to be called Disco. This is the lane that we're going down. And for a while I was, I was thinking, how's, how's Say Something going to fit into this? Because we didn't write that with Disco in mind. But we felt like it had a bit of state of independence kind of feeling. I mean, we wish, but, you know, kind of could latch onto that mm. in a kind of 70s vibe. And, yeah, it turned out it had enough to be in the disco theme, but... I didn't go into that session saying, fellas, it's disco. Right. But it's also so striking because it is the the first single we heard from this record. And it it comes from last September. So it's from the before times, before we, you know, before COVID. But thematically, when when you first heard it, you know, that that opening line, we're we're a million miles apart in a thousand thousand ways, it felt so of the moment. It, It felt almost like it was created in reaction to, to where we were. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a, 
a number of artists say similar things with with songs that they wrote just before drama of 2020 and I guess it's just a reminder of the the power of music that making it is one thing but how it translates and what it becomes in the real world is is something you can't predict you can't you can't even really manifest you just have to let it go and see what happens firstly I didn't know if that song would even make it on the album it was so beautifully odd (laughs) that I I was a bit I was kind of preparing to resign myself to potentially the fact that they would they the label would say yeah we Mm. we like it but we just don't think it's gonna hit the mark so then when it was on the album and then selected as the first unanimously as the first single I just I thought I'd kick the goal (laughs) like through the posts there we go and then this year through lockdown when I finished was finishing the album at home and listened to that song in its in its stages because we added to it and developed it through this year and there was one day I listened to it just outside and I mean it just it was like we didn't we hadn't written it it was like it fell from the sky and it was saying something that we needed to hear it was amazing I mean, sad and wonderful and amazing. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. 
Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You know, you, you, you just mentioned the, the, all the drama of, of 2020. Do, do I have this right? Did I read that right before lockdown started, you had a concert mm. in Brazil? Yeah, I had a... a in, in, in San Paulo, like about just about a week before... Yeah, I did. So Lockdown yeah, started so in earnest. 6th of March. I'm not great with dates, but I definitely remember the 6th of March because we knew that um, there was uncertainty in the air and... I, I would say for the two weeks leading up to that gig, I was just waiting for the phone call saying, it's cancelled, we're not going, which would have been absolutely fine, of course. But um, yeah, we went and it was just, it was that last, it was my last big show. <laughs> and thankfully we all got there and back and everyone was safe. And that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. How, how big, are, those Brazilian crowds can be uh, huge. How big a crowd was it? It wasn't one of those mega enormous endless brazilian crowds it wasn't like a uh, rock and rio or something like that but it was right. a sizable crowd whose uh passion i mean i don't oh. think i heard anything oh, for wow. the first four songs i literally I was looking at my band right. looking at my sound monitor guy just like i'm singing i could i don't know if i'm singing remotely in key in time <laughs> it was just like this right. this wave of emotion and i know they're famous for it but we still hadn't quite prepared ourselves for it so yeah my last big show that i did is you know still ringing in my ears actually sorry the last show full stop and just <laughs> yeah. under the wire too because if that's yeah. march 6th i guess that's about 10 days before the the stay at home orders come down um and and how much of the album was was done by then because I, I you 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 were you 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 at that point had the concept in mind and and some songs finished I, I imagine yeah so I would have been in the studio before going to Sao Paulo and then for sure when I got back mm. and I would say even in those last few days between arriving back from Sao Paulo and the lockdown in London I was we were. I say we were we were at a, a strong canter, not galloping, but a strong canter as far as the album goes. Like we've got, you know, you work so hard every day, and then, I mean, I get consumed by it. So I was in and out of studios until the the day before lockdown. Actually, I think maybe the day before lockdown, we wrote "I Love It," but we were aware in various sessions and different writers that that lockdown was looming. It, it hadn't been. Um, it wasn't. The date wasn't determined, but we were aware of it. So it was definitely creeping into the writing process at that time. So two questions. What's that like? You're you're in a canter. You're you're making this record and it's a dance party record. And then everything stops. And, And what were you feeling at that moment when things ground to a halt? Was there any sense of, uh oh, maybe... Maybe it's time for a sad singer-songwriter record, or are, are we really going to the disco still? I mean, wh- what? How how soon were you back at work, and, and what were your feelings? Um, do you know what i I'd have to even I'd have to look at emails and messages because it's a bit of a blur that time. As soon as lockdown happened, and mm. there was there were no 
no planes, hardly any cars. It was just that eerie silence, the uncertainty. We didn't know if this was is this two weeks, three weeks. Are we going to kind of go back to normal or? So we. we, we just all thought didn't we all know. thought a month would be a long time. Like it, oh, yeah. it'll, it'll be over a month. Come on. Yeah. So I think it was. I want to say maybe three weeks or so before I really started thinking about my, I could be wrong. The, the time, the, even now, time is very strange. You know, was was it this morning or was it six months ago? I which I which Thursday is this? Is this the Thursday that was yesterday or the Thursday that's tomorrow? <laughs> right, they're all the same, right. Exactly. So anyway, I I think when it became evident that we weren't going back, you know, I'm not going to see you in the studio. Then I I must have, you know, I I wanted to carry on. I don't even know how this was decided or whether I spoke to one of my producers and said, well, let's try and do remote. I actually can't remember. It was, it's all a bit of a haze around there. But um, I did remember that I, I had a basic microphone and an interface somewhere. Thankfully, it was in my home. And I found it in a cupboard, which to me was the first miracle. I had never used them before. So I was thinking, right, okay. Looks like, looks like that cable goes with that. And I think I can, I mean, I'd never plugged, I'd never plugged it in. So I was sending pictures to one of my producers. He says, yeah, that looks all right. Yeah, you just do that, that and that and start on garage, garage band. And, you know, we can at least get some demos done. We weren't thinking about, remote recording, like proper session recording, just carrying on the writing process. And mm. so we did it mm. like that for a little bit. And then it wasn't too long before one of my other producers, Timu Brunella, who's, I mean, they're all a bit, they're all a bit boffin-like anyway with, with their equipment and the gear and how you technically do this. But Timu was amazing. He arranged the mic for me. He was talking with the people in... Um, where were they? In Nottingham, I think, was the company that collated all the pieces together, sorted out the laptop with Pro Tools, with uh, Logic, with just the stuff I needed, and did test sessions with them. So he was like a, my, my fairy. Timu, my fairy princess. <laughs> and he's a Finnish writer-producer who worked on uh, the, the first three tracks I know, Magic, Miss a Thing, Real Groove. He worked on yes. all of those. Yeah. And do I have yeah. this right? You've never actually met him face-to-face? -face? Correct. I was due to fly to L.A. for a two-week writing session with him in March. So obviously that didn't happen. So we did everything remotely. Yeah, I only know him from the waist up in two-dimensional form. I cannot wait to meet him. How did you first connect yeah. then? You were going to go for a writing session in LA. How, how did, how did the, the two of you come together to, to get even that on the calendar? That was from the song Magic, which mm. my A&R, Jamie Nelson, got hold of. And we all fell in love with that track. We thought this is, this is really good. And also Real Groove and Miss a Thing, so the, the trifecta, the, the first three songs. Um, had Timu on them. So that felt like, I, I finished those with, with the writers and producers, but yeah, we, he was like, we felt like he could be a conduit for us to access disco, but have it cool and have a kind of, for want of a better way to say it, because I'm sure this has been used a thousand times, to put my stamp on it and a modern stamp on it. 
As opposed to it being a, a pastiche and cover. It, because any disco songs you're going to reference, are you can't, there's no point to do them again. They're just perfect. And that became a bit of a, you know, like something to contend with, actually. You'd think on paper, Kylie Disco, sure, we'll, we'll do this in no time. But actually, it was, it really required a bit of, um, you know, chipping away and looking from different angles and, and how close can we go to it? You know, referencing ABBA, Bee Gees, Donna Summer, Chic, et cetera, et cetera. Because what you wanted to make wasn't just a disco in a, a, a sense of, oh, we're going to make a dance pop record, which, which maybe mm-hmm. has some thumb popping bass on a track or two. You, you know, you, yeah. you are referencing and taking inspiration from a lot of classic grooves. I, I, I know you yeah. brought up Lionel Richie. Uh, you just mentioned ABBA, yeah. uh, and I definitely hear that on a couple of different tracks. Don, mm-hmm. Donna Summer, Studio Fifty Four is yeah. mentioned. You know, like the, you... The, the touchstones are all there. <laughs> and, and if you're going to set those as your touchstones, you 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 better yeah. get the groove better be right. But you also want it to be something yeah. more than a throwback. I mean, we we would start some things and go, okay, let's let's get a baseline that's similar to blah blah. I can't remember what. But it just it didn't hit, you know? So anyway, thanks to my amazing producers and tenacity and, as I say, chipping away and looking at it from different angles, we got there and it transpires that the roots of disco are 70. My, you know, I fell in love with disco back then. But then it, it morphed through the years and there's a bit of 80s electronica, um, you know, some some parts of that then even some self-referencing in early 2000s when I had a bit of disc like a bit of electro disco then so yeah it's it's turned out to be a thankfully not just rooted in this not just a trapped right. in the 70s and, I and say. it's so interesting to me because uh, you were just talking about recording your vocals at home uh, you, you started out with the idea that you were going to work on demos and you ended up with a uh, a, a vocal engineering and production credit on the record. Uh, like you, you, you had to learn a little bit of uh, uh, studio craft, as it were. And I, I love the idea that your your studio seems to have been in the cupboard, but then grew into a more sophisticated <laughs> rig. Yeah, it was in boxes in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, I ended up. Um, I took delivery of one microphone that Timo had sourced for me. From Finland, that was uh, oh. broken in transit. You wouldn't know it to look at it, but um, yeah, we tried recording on that, and it was just you know, like in lockdown, everything took so much longer. Delivery vans were, you know, just to get a delivery of anything. So I completely understood that it took longer to get these bits and pieces, and then for that part to arrive, well, a very mm. important part to arrive and be broken. So we got long story short again, we got another one. By the time it's funny when you have these experiences and you're home alone. So there's no one to share it with and to kind of share that memory with. I'm just thinking back to receiving all the other parts, your, your stand, your pop shield, the surround, the, the interface, the laptop, the, like just all of it with, you know, wrestling the boxes and up and down the stairs and where do they go? And uh, I, it must have looked pretty hilarious. But when the microphone arrived in this box, like a, like a flight case, like a little yeah flight case and I swear to god when I opened it up there might have been angels going ah and I was like ah there it is like this is this is it unpack it and I just remember mm. thinking, don't drop the microphone don't drop it Tim has Tim has explained to me yeah. 
make sure it's always off when you move. Just basic studio stuff, but I'd never had, had to do it before. So, yeah, I got it set up in my lounge room. <laughs> but that's not, uh, that's not until I'd already set it up elsewhere and had my first connection with Timu to test it. And he said, mm, that sounds terrible. Like, that's, I just figured okay. I'll go in a really small room, <laughs> but I had to take everything out of the room to get the stuff into the room. It wasn't a size of a cupboard, but it's small enough. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to move, I moved it again to the lounge room and then had to kind of try and soundproof it enough. So I got wardrobe racks and I had duvets. I don't know if you call them duvets over there. Dunas, duvets, sure blankets, yeah. rug, just, just kind of whatever I could. So you, you, you had to build a little, stu- uh, little pillow for it, as it were, to, to kind of dampen <laughs> the sound a bit. Thankfully, it didn't have to be because I've seen uh, some great pictures through lockdown of actors doing ADR where they're literally kind of under two chairs with a duvet on top of it I didn't have to go to that extreme but just just try and dull the room a bit yeah yeah for that for that uh, additional dialogue recording uh, they they have to create their own whisper room which basically means you have to put a blanket over your yeah so I wasn't I wasn't kind of hunched under anything I have my space uh but yeah what a what a crazy time. So again, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know when we would finish. There was no date that we said it has to be finished by this time. And I've asked myself mm-hmm. if I hadn't started recording before lockdown, would I have, what would I have written, if anything? I think it was easier for me to continue because, as I said before, we, we had our um, momentum and, and had got the DNA we kind of broken the back of what's the soundscape of this album. This is it. We just need we just need to keep writing and writing till we think we've got all the song. So I think that was the the that helped me be that tenacious through lockdown and throw myself into it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Those were some of the rewards or the the, the pleasure of having a, a purpose, a direction, something to do during this time. But, but what were some of the challenges? Because you've talked a little bit you talked a little bit about working remotely on Missa thing and, and having a bit of a, a meltdown working <laughs> with him. Yeah, um, I will say Timu writes some amazing melodies. And I think the pitch of his voice, and he's got an amazing voice, very unique quality to it. And so when I was finishing those songs with him and we're going through, singing it through and through before we got to recording, even then I said, do you think? taking it down a half a tone or maybe even a full tone. He said, okay, sure, let's try that. We'll try it. And, and then I've just got to call a spade a spade. And he's, he's right. And I know it because I can hear it myself. It's like, mm, it's just not, it's not hitting the same. But even then I was thinking, this is, is going to be just a more challenging song to sing, parts of it. So when we got to recording it, we w- I would record with Timu, then he would work with his... Uh, his co-producer Nico Stari in LA. So this, this just this kind of triangle on that on those records, and a lot of that was really getting used to the remote uh, setup, getting used to my mic, which he loved, and and Sky Adams, like everyone loved that. You know, the setup worked. But um, for those for Mr. Thing, uh, Mr. Thing particularly, I would like I've never been closer to a mic. So I'm kind of you say you ride on. I'm like I could not. I literally could not be closer to the mic. Okay, 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 good, go. And it was just one of those ones that was a bit of a challenge for me. And we ah now it's coming back to me. We did the vocals for that. They went to Nico. They came back to Timu. They produced them. And then he said, now, we've, now we know what to do with this mic. Could we do it again? Could we re-record those bits? And I was thinking, oh, I just, okay, yeah, sure, sure. Because then he realized to get that sound on that song, he needed me really close on the mic. So we did it again. And when you're that close on a the mic, there's nowhere to run or hide. It's like every, every tiny, teeny thing you do, you just, you, I don't know. It's like, it's like being in a... So you, you you mean it picks up every noise you're making and your just, mouth just, or every wrong note everything. or, or you're both? So, you're so close. And it was a day that I, I was exhausted. It, I think we got back to re-recording it kind of near the end 
or ha- having done, mm. you know, get, I'm, I'm trying to remember four or five weeks in a, in a row of really going for it and me kind of mm. almost executive producing the album myself, setting up dates and juggling people and kids and deliveries and foods, not my kids, them and their kids, and acknowledging the stress of lockdown simultaneously knowing I'm one of the lucky ones I can work and I can be creative but still it um it did get to me at a point and I think it just when we were doing the re-record for Mr. Thing because I was I felt a bit challenged by it anyway I didn't go the full cry but Timu could you know by this time I'd spent many 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 hours with Timu and it's like that in the studio whether you're in an actual studio or a, a remote studio you can't you can't hide what's happening in your real life and uh i think it could have been any of my producers that you know it's if you're working with good understanding people and you're having a day where you just can't quite do it so i was like timo i just i think i what i did was just awful can we i might have to call it a day and he's like no problem no problem the irony is he used the vocals from that day, so it was more my mind that was messing with me than actually what I was singing. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely with, with uh, everyone I worked with remotely, we were all riding our little roller coasters of emotions each day. Right. Let me ask you about that, about working remotely, because as you say, when you're in a studio, it, it can be, you know, a long pressured situation some songs some days some nights can go on forever but there are people around and when you're working on a track you can sense in the room whether it's working or not but when you're working remotely particularly on dance music and there's no dance floor around or maybe nobody to dance how do you know when it's working did you did you like test drive or test dance some of these songs or how how did you know when they were right Good question. Um, <laughs> no, there wasn't really a dance test. <laughs> uh, just the same way as usual, I guess. But you, it was, yeah, it was very weird not to be able to be in the room together. And even towards the end of like finishing up the album, we were still saying, well, maybe, maybe when it's released, we can have a, a listening party, just the people who worked on it. No, <laughs> we can't. So we still haven't had that moment. And I, as and when we can, I would dearly love to have everyone who, you know, all my producers who worked on this and co-writers just like to have our own really daggy disco, like the the worst disco ever, but we'll, it would be the best thing ever for us. We'd certainly I mean, know all the words. <laughs> you deserve it. You, if anyone deserves <laughs> a, a dance party celebration, I mean, you guys who've made this record do, but... You mentioned Sky Adams before, mm-hmm. and I want to ask you about Sky. You worked with him on Golden, yeah, and he he contributed a lot to this record. And I, he worked on two of my favorite tracks, uh, uh, Supernova and Celebrate You. Yeah, um, t- tell me about him. Tell me about working with him. How did you guys first connect, and and what is working with him like? We first connected. I didn't connect with him, but he came into my life when the always great Jamie Nelson, my A and R sent him mm. the working tape of Dancing, written with Steve McEwen and Nathan Chapman in Nashville. So, yeah, Dancing 
originally in its in its work tape form was slower. It was well, it was part of my introduction to working in Nashville. They write the song. It's not always produced. It doesn't have what it's going to be. It's just here's the the bones of this song, and then you can build on it and produce it produce it however so Jamie sent that to Sky Adams and I remember hearing that I was with my girlfriend in south of France and an email came through with Sky's rework of dancing it was one of those moments I just I was I knew it I I was so excited I Mm. would not have ever imagined it like that and the extra he put some different instrumentation in I mean he basically had, had he produced it so that's the first time I had heard of Sky Adams and then I went into the studio with him for Golden. And he is so fast-paced. He is he's amazing. There's no, there is no stop in that train, I tell you. So you've got to kind of get into Skyland. It's really fast. And I, the, a big difference working with him uh, remotely in lockdown is I got to see his face. Because it's just a, something I would never have thought of. But when we're in the studio, it's the back of his head with his amazing green and blue afro just, just and he's there and he has the music really loud and sometimes me and the co-writer will be like oh, I can't hear it it's so loud but you know you go with it and uh, yeah so working remotely I got to see his face on the screen a lot <laughs> that's true so so the uh, the distance the social distancing was more of a face-to-face experience in this case <laughs> yeah very actually it really was um I mean I wish it was other but just a something I would never have even had in my mind before. So with Sky, before lockdown, we were working in the studio, uh, a couple of collaborators he's, he works with a lot. Uh, and then I had a session with him and Megan Catone. So that was the first time I'd met Megan and she's an awesome writer as well. Uh, so our remote sessions was Sky, Megan and myself. And even that we had to figure out how does this work? Um, a two-way Zoom is okay. Three-way, when you're listening to music, is you're just not hearing the same thing. So we we ended up finding our way and our rhythm for the remote sessions where we'd all get together for the initial, what are we doing today? Figure out our, our melody, our concept, and then Sky would say, right, I'm out, be back in half an hour. So Megan and I would carry on fin- doing the lyrics and then we'd all... You know, we'd he'd he'd come back into the session, and we'd say, "Okay, this is what we got. What do you think?" And then, you know, just just like a normal writing session. And then, uh, yeah, normally Megan had a a very easy setup at her place. She's a that's a trade. She's a songwriter, so she would be able to put down the demo. So at least we had uh, uh, by the end of the day a kind of a sketch of what we were doing. And then later, once we decided which songs that were, were, were going to go on the album, then I'd record them with Sky. The disco sound is, ha- I mean, we're having a moment in 2020, right? We're, 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 we're back to this. And, and mm-hmm. I know you've talked about this. I know people have asked you about this. But th- that desire to return to fun, to do something fun, it, it's not like we just need it now mm-hmm. in quarantine. It's not like 2019 was the banner year that I want to remember either, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it, it is... <laughs> a necessary uh, sense of escape yeah. and, and relief, but it's also really poignant to hear these songs about connecting on a dance floor and finding love and, you know, at this moment when we can't connect on a dance floor or anywhere else. How, how, how has it felt 
to you? To have this kind of music in 2020? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that, uh, how can I explain this? A lot of the music you'd be hearing, maybe not so much now, but certainly in, in the previous months, was of course it was it was done last year so disco's having a big moment this year i think that's the zeitgeist that's like i didn't know that duo was making a disco album she didn't know that someone else was going to make a disco album jesse ware didn't know like it's just it's around and i just think it's because of this year it's um i don't know i found maybe you've heard me talk about this before but i've found all these correlations between disco music and and this year that disco was born out of darkness it was born out of struggle and and adversity and people trying to find a place to belong and be accepted and express themselves and all of that kind of stuff and even i'm just looking at what we've got like you know starfields and and all of that it's trying to find the light in the darkness and either dance your way through it or so yeah it's uh finding the light in the darkness and and then going to and i don't know if this is too poetic but it makes sense in my mind and sometimes you have to latch on to poetic things anyway that your that disco ball it just needs that one light on it and then it refracts light everywhere and and i think whether you are aware of that when you listen to disco music well if you're aware of it you get it but even if you're not perhaps it's just it's just part of its its being disco. I don't know that they're not all happy songs, but you can find happiness within them, or at least an understanding. You know, a belo- sense of belonging. I'm not the only one feeling like this. You understand me. You have troubles. Right. I mean, I've got this songs on this like Supernova, which is it's it's almost mumbo jumbo. It that is total escapism. Um, but yeah, something like Celebrate You is. You're swaying and you feel kind of happy, but there's a, there's a sadness to it, but you, you're going with it. I mean, I have to tell you, I was listening this morning and, and the lyric last chance for first dance popped out at me and I, I, got, I got a little emotional. I got a little choked oh, did up. You? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's in last chance. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I don't think I'm ever going to make a, I can't make a, a woe is me album. That's not my life. I'm very grateful for everything I have, but you know, we're all human and we have emotions and we have to go through life what it, the hand it deals us some days it's good and some days it's a little more challenging but for everyone this year of course it's been a challenge so yeah i think we, we started talking about the escapism in dance music and and the uh, disco music and the joy that that's brought i feel like i'm going off topic a bit no i mean this is this is exactly right huh. these are, these are great things to to talk about and and i think we're grateful to have from you uh, a music that gives us a chance, as the the old saying goes, to uh, dance our way out of our restrictions. You know, it's uh, mm. the liberation of of movement and rock and roll and dance music and disco. The way it liberates the body. That's that's mm. where it all started. Yeah, totally. And when I look back at songs that were done in lockdown or just prior to lockdown, like I said, I'm trying to paint the picture of me in my home studio just being so focused and, and working on things after the calls had finished or prepping for them. But it was it was one of my my coping mechanisms as well to really, really throw myself into it. I mean, whenever it's writing for an album or fi- trying to find the songs for an album, I'm pretty obsessive about it anyway. I just... It's like, oh, I'm not in, it's not stage moment. It's not a public moment. This is just focus, focus. And I love it. I really, really enjoy the challenge. So yeah, in lockdown, I mean, maybe I went even further with that or had nowhere to, you know, it wasn't going out to go to the studio and come back. It was just 
there, it was always there. But I think of some of the lyrics that, that we wrote, um, uh, like, uh, like Supernova, it feels like we just want to get out of here. We just want to go be out in space where anything's possible and leave this, this world behind. You know, everything's kind of magic and amazing out there in our minds anyway. And it's all, it's all about possibilities. Nothing's stopping us out there. But I don't think that's what we were. I think it was, uh, I think it was coming from our subconscious at the time. We're just like, what are we doing? How can we make this song? Well, we're, we're, we're <laughs> grateful to you for uh, uh, getting it out of your subconscious and, uh, and getting it to the rest of us because we, we did need a chance uh, to move around <laughs> a little bit, get up off the couch. Oh, these, uh, and, a lot uh, of the... <laughs> even if we can't get all the way out there. <laughs> the BPM on this album is, uh, it really gets going. It, it starts slow. It eases you in. Then before you know it, it's supernova. Um, then we just give you a little bit of a break to say something. And then it pretty much gallops to the end and we wind you down with Celebrate You. Unless it's the deluxe edition and then we have to get back out on the dance floor again. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> you're not yeah, done then with it's us like, yet. Oh, yeah. One more. <laughs> <laughs> a little yeah. Well, Kylie, thank you so much for being with us. This, is, this has been terrific. And congratulations again. And, and thanks for uh, sharing the disco magic. Thank you so much. Inside the Studio is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.